Love that song. So this is week 17 of the study of Hebrews, and it finds us in chapter 6. And we're on the backside of a stern warning that if you reject the good news, the Messiah, the Holy Spirit, the powers of the coming age, the goodness of the Word of God, then the writer of Hebrews sees it as you're in danger of being able not to repent. Now I say on the backside because now that he has given this stern warning to those who may be on the verge of succumbing to this pressure to forsake Messiah, he's going to give some encouragement to the community. As he says this in verse 9, Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. So the word of encouragement begins with dear friends, or it could be translated beloved. And so we can assume that the majority of the Hebrews he's writing to have not succumbed to the pressures and are walking in the things that accompany salvation. And what would they be? Well, he's confident that they'll continue in the heavenly gifts, the Holy Spirit, the goodness of the Word of God, faith in Messiah, and the powers of the coming age. And with that, and because of that, they'll turn away from dead works. And what were the dead works again we talked about a few weeks ago? Well, as we discussed, not the Torah, as many have interpreted it, but dead works are actually transgressions of the Torah. The works or deeds that lead to death are sin, and sin is transgression of the Torah, transgressions of God's law. And if I didn't make that clear enough a few weeks ago, he's going to make it clear now as he begins to speak of good works. He says in verse 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. He says, God will not forget your work. What was the work? Well, if they've turned from dead works or transgression of the law, then it must mean that they've turned to do good works. And what are good works? Keeping the Torah as Yeshua. Yeshua said the whole of the Torah hangs on loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. You see, the love you show God and his people, living out Walking out your faith, not just saying I believe, but living I believe. If we look at the state of the church and much of the, even the messianic movement, we will find that a follower of Yeshua means show up for services, sign on to the membership roles, agree with the pastor or the rabbi, say the right things, put your money in the offering plate and you're good to go, amen? No, not amen. Amen. Because it's obvious to the writer of the, this writer of Hebrews and to these first century believers that they were just as concerned with orthopraxy. And that's a fancy word for correct behavior. Correct belief versus this fancy word, orthopraxy. The, the, correct, the word for correct belief and saying the right things is orthodoxy. That's just believing and saying the right things. 
How do you show your love for God? Well, let's put it on another level. Let's look at children. Let's look at our children. How do they show the, their love for their parents? Right? How do they show their love for you? Or should, or should, how do we know that they love us? Well, it would mean much if they tell you I love you, yes? Right? But then words are kind of cheap, aren't they? So if they care about what you care about, if they obey the rules set forth in your household, help you with the chores, and finally the most telling thing would be if they want to be like you. Amen? If they wanted to be like you. Well, it's no different with God. We show our love for Him by our worship and telling Him how much we love Him, studying to know Him better, spending time in prayer to really come to know Him. And I think we all realize that, right? That's like the little child saying, I love you, Mom, Dad, right? How else do we show our love for Him? Well, as I said, we care about the things He cares about. And what are those things? Well, first and foremost... What the Father cares about is that no one would be lost. And so in our love for Him, we need to be a people who care about people. And by people, I mean God's people. We should be a people that love Yeshua, and that love drives us to emulate Yeshua's love for His people and become like Him. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. He says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. You have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed into the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn of many brothers, and those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. You see, it's really easy. We've been called to be conformed into the likeness of Yeshua, both in this life and in the one to come. And how do we become like him? We become like him when we do good works that are found in the scriptures. When we love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. When we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, and try and emulate Him in life. When we repent from this world and turn and walk in the ways of the kingdom of heaven. And so how do we know when we become like Him? Well, that's not too hard easy. We just compare ourselves with Him, with Yeshua, right? Let's look at some of the things He says of Himself. You see, He loved the Father. And how did he show it? John chapter 5 verse 17 says, Yeshua said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. He was concerned about doing the father's work. He cared about the things the father cared about, the creation, the people, keeping his promises, or we could say keeping his word, living as God, would have, in other words, obeying the rules of the kingdom, just like I said with the child, obeying the rules of the house. Again, not just saying you care, because again, talk is cheap, but doing things to help God's people, caring enough to get up out of the chair and do. 
He says his father is working and so he's working. He's emulating his father. We need to work as well. We need to tell people about Yeshua in the kingdom, yes. But we also need to show by our actions Yeshua in the kingdom. Yeshua followed his father's instructions so much so that it was said of him by John in 1 John chapter First John, uh, or John, excuse me, John 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. He loved his Father so much that he obeyed the word of God to the degree that John said, the word, the holy scriptures became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And the scriptures at that time were the Torah and the prophets. And we know, we now have the gospel record to show us that yes, indeed, he did follow God's Torah to the degree that he was a living example of following God's instructions. In other words, he wasn't content with orthodoxy, saying the right things, but he was very much concerned with orthopraxy, living the right way. So much so that every word you read that he preached, he also lived out in his life. He so loved God and his people that he emulated the Father. Matthew 14, verse 14 says, Yeshua landed and saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. He so loved the Father that it says he had compassion on his people. Over and over we're told that he had compassion on the people. How does that show his love and his emulation of the Father? Well, we've all read it before. I preached on it so many times I can't count them. Exodus 34 verse 6 says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. The compassionate and gracious God in Yeshua so loved the Father that he became like him. And Yeshua says of himself in John chapter 5 and verse 19, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. And again he says in John 14, 9. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? He lived out God's instructions perfectly. Because he loved his Father. He became so much like the Father. That he could say, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Yeshua so loved the Father that he emulated his Father. And did nothing that his father did not do. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is getting at when he says to his audience, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you helped his people and continue to help them. I want you to notice something else about this verse. He says, God will not forget your work as you have helped his people. The love you show his people, the good deeds that you do in his name for his people are good deeds done to God himself. And God is not unjust. And so the good deeds you do for his people, he can't possibly forget them because they were good deeds done to him and for him. 
which lines up perfectly with the words of the master in a parable in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did, you, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did he, then when did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the least of these, my, my brothers, you did for me. The good works you do in his name are good works done for God. And what did they receive? Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. Look at this. For giving food to those who were hungry, water, clothes, just simple things of life. And for this, they receive an inheritance of the kingdom. It reminds me of a parable in the Midrash Rabbah, Deuteronomy 3.6. It says, Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair was given two measures of barley for safekeeping. The owner forgot about it for a number of years. Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair planted the barley seed, and each year he replanted the previous year's harvest until it grew to be a substantial crop. After seven years, the owner returned to claim his two measures of barley. And Rabbi Pinchas told him, Come, I will show you the great fortune you have accumulated. God does the same thing with good and righteous deeds of man. He sows each righteous deed, and when the person is ready to receive his reward, God returns the original righteous investment plus the accumulated dividends. Now, this is just a rabbinic story, but the point is the rabbi here has the same idea as Yeshua and the author of Hebrews. The good deeds you do for God's people in God's name are good deeds done for God, and they are credited and stored and returned to you in the kingdom in a measure that's beyond our comprehension and belief. Amen? No man has seen the riches God has stored up for us, can comprehend the riches that God has stored up for us. And so the work is good works of the word of God. And so he says next in verse 11, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Look what he says here. He says that you need to keep the same diligence, or it could be translated eagerness. And so what he's saying in in your performance of good deeds, you need to have and show the same eagerness. Not just sit around, not just wait for good deeds to come your way, but to be on the prowl, so to speak. To be eager, look for opportunities to do good. He's telling these folks to continue in the eagerness to do good and not to become lazy. Don't become a pew sitter. You know, life 
in the safety and knowledge of Yeshua and the salvation he has provided can sometimes tend to make people pew-sitters, which is totally contrary to the word of God. The message the writer is trying to convey to the Hebrews here is one of working for the kingdom, not hiding your light under a basket, but persevering to the reward that lies ahead. Make every effort to work hard while there's still light so that you can enter into the rest that has been prepared since the creation of the world. There's a reward, 30, 60, even 100 fold if you hold on. Or as Paul says, we want to run the race as those who run to win the race. The writer says, imitate those who through faith in God ran the good race. Therefore, ensured the promise of God. You know the right way, right? You know right away he's, who he's going to use for an example, right? If you weren't even, if you didn't even know the next verse, you'd know who he was going to talk about. Abraham, right? So he says in verse 13, he says, When God made promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. So after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Listen to what he says here. He refers to a promise given to Abraham. And let's go there and get the, the whole, the fullness of this promise. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 15 says, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, saying, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies And through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. We looked at this before. The angel of the Lord, the one that speaks for God, says, I will bless you. And not just multiply you, but I will make you as numerous as the stars in the sky. The writer makes the point that Abraham waited patiently and received the promise. I want to say something. Did he receive this promise in his lifetime? Not at all. But did he receive the promise? Well, I can tell you this. You won't even see the fullness of what God has promised him until the messianic age is over because the number of Abraham's descendants in Israel is going to be as numerous as the stars in heaven. So did Abraham see the promise fulfilled in his life? No, he did not. And that's the point the author wants to make. He held on. The writer says, hold on. We have to hold on to the end in our love and our faith in Yeshua. And our love and good deeds done for him. Because the promise is true. Like Abraham, we're not going to see the fullness in our lifetime. We've got a taste of the good things to come. We got a taste of the good, the power of the coming age. Just a taste. But we're going to have the fullness. Amen? Just like Abraham didn't see the fullness of this promise in his lifetime. There's something else the master said that the reward is great for. 
And that's holding on in the face of persecution, which these Hebrews are undoubtedly facing. Remember, these folks are being harassed for their faith in Messiah Yeshua. And Yeshua says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And what is righteousness? Well, our righteous acts are what? Good deeds. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything but except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Here's the essence of what he's saying. The disciples are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And let your light shine that men may see your good deeds. You know, I'm reminded of this song, a little kid's song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And because it's a children's song, guess what? It follows that this is one of the elementary principles of the faith, isn't it? Elementary. The things we do to advance God's kingdom, the good deeds we do, that God gets the glory for, and our witness of Yeshua are the light that we need to let shine. The things we do, the good deeds, the things that are done to advance the kingdom, that's the topic here. The writer is, after all, encouraging these folks, spurring them on to do even greater things for the kingdom, to produce land from the land as they have received rain, so to speak, is what he said last week. They've tasted the heavenly gift. They've tasted the goodness of the word of God. They've received a salvation. A salvation that was a free gift. A salvation that was given to them by an eternal God through an eternal son who has called them brothers. An eternal king who has declared that they are his subjects. They're his brothers. An eternal message and decree. An eternal high priest who has already offered up prayers and entered into the Holy of Holies. He's gone before us. He's able to carry us past the sword that guards the way as well. He's not going to change his mind. Indeed, he's unable to change his mind. He's unable to lie. With no one greater, he swears by himself. And so we need to press on, producing for the kingdom. Let the land he has watered produce a good crop. We can count on his promise, even as Abraham counted on his promise. It produced fruit in his lifetime. To him was given Isaac, and to Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. He saw a taste of the fruit of the promise of God, but how much more is he going to see? After his life was over. But how much more will he see in the world to come? He like James, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Paul, Peter. Have persevered to the end. And now the faith they had is an eternal blessing from God. Amen. Amen. Let's bring the worship team forward.